0: Welcome to MetaTalks, where we bring in experts to dive deep into all things Metaverse, with your hosts, Kate Hancock
1: and Daniel Robbins. Hey everyone, we are very excited today on our episode of MetaTalks. This is a very special episode because we have the amazing and incredible Kathy Hackle, who is the godmother of the Metaverse and author of Navigating the Metaverse. Welcome, Kathy.
0: Excited to be here. Well, Kathy, we're honored for you to be here. Um, I'm curious, what was your journey like to get where you are? Oh my goodness. So I've been in metaverse-related industries for almost a decade now, right? So it's been it's been quite a journey. Um, I would say, you know, I gotta trace it way back. I'm gonna take you guys way back, so like 2004. Um, I was working at CNN and part of my job there was to look at all the raw footage that was coming in from the war in Iraq. Right. So like horrible. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I had to. Not everything was horrible. Right. But I had to sit through some horrible things. So I always joke that I was a Facebook moderator or YouTube moderator before that existed. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Right. But when you have that type of, of job, you have to kind of dial your humanity switch to just a little bit just to kind of try to get by and it wasn't until it's almost 10 years ago that i went to an, an event i put on a vr headset i went into an experience called confinement by the guardian that put me in a virtual reality uh, solitary confinement cell and the only way i can describe it Danielle and kate is like i felt like that dial that i had to move turned fully back on and i said you know i took the headset off i said wow this is the future of storytelling or business or something and this is what i want to do for the rest of my life so um, my first, you know, my first steps were in the VR world. Then went over to Magic Leap, uh, worked in spatial computing, AR, whatever term you want to use. Then went o- over to Amazon Web Services, wor- worked on many projects, including large-scale gaming simulations. And then eventually launched off on my own, and my company, Futures Intelligence Group, was acquired by Journey uh, in ten months. Like it was, wow. I, I, I found like I really launched it and sold it in ten months, and now I'm part of Journey. Um, yeah, so it's been, it's been, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> I'm curious that moment when the light bulb like this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. What is it, your experience at that moment? It was a moment of clarity, I think of, of clarity of seeing the future in front of me. I, I usually say something like I recognized the rocket when I saw one and I said, I'm getting on this rocket. And I feel that that's what a lot of people right now are feeling when it comes to metaverse and web three. It's like they see the rocket or the high-speed train, right? And they're like, I'm getting on this high-speed train right now because I understand where it's going. I mean, we might not know, right, where the where we're actually heading, but we recognize that something of a seismic shift is happening, right? And there's kind of that moment where we're all like, okay, we want to be part of this. So, um, so yeah, that was a very big, clear moment. It was clarity for me and just the vision of understanding I'm playing the long game, right? This is not a short-term thing. I'm moving forward, so. Oh, and that was 10 years ago. Pretty yeah. amazing. And Kathy, what responsibility do you feel as the godmother of the Metaverse? I could just imagine <laughs> the weight <laughs> on your shoulder. So I'll tell you something. So the the name actually was given to me by Andrew Schwartz, who works at Nike's Metaverse team. So for whatever that's worth, um, it was, uh, you know, Alexis Ohanian had tweeted asking for more like women in, in Web3 and Metaverse to follow and Andrew it was, you know, included a few names and then he did one last tweet and said, Oh, and by the way, don't forget Kathy Hackle, comma, she's the godmother of the metaverse. So then some people someone took a screenshot, sent it to me, the community started using it. So um I wear it as a badge of honor, to be honest. To me, it's a badge of honor uh, for all the work that I've done. I mean, there's many of other, many other people that have been in the space for a long time as well. Um, but I am very publicly out there. I want to, you know there's, I wouldn't say there's too many women yet that are very publicly facing. Um, you know, there are some definitely, uh, but it's been mostly men that are very public facing in metaverse and I have, I'm very proud to be one of the women, um, you know, especially being a woman, being Latina, like being out there very publicly, representing a different face of technology, right? So um, there is that sense of, of responsibility that I have. And for me, my responsibility is towards people seeing a different face of technology And more women, more BIPOC people seeing that this future is for them. This future includes them. We need everyone to build it, not just one specific type of demographic. Um, So, yeah, so I do feel a sense of responsibility. Um, One of the big missions that I have, Kate, and, Mm -hmm. and specifically when it comes to this, is I want more women, more young women, more girls to see someone different leading, right? And also because I am so public facing. Um, You know, I will have my haters, and I will have those attacks. I, I call them virtual bullets for lack of a better term. But if I have to take those virtual bullets right now, so that the women and girls that come behind me can feel more empowered to be vocal about what they're building, what they're doing, then I will gladly take them because I want more more people to feel empowered that they can be on a stage, that they can be writing a book, that they know what they're talking about. Like this is important to me. So. So yeah that that I do have a sense of responsibility it's not just fun and games. Yeah. I love I learned this yesterday from a call with Winnie a friend of mine and she mm-hmm. said we we have to embrace the negative comments because that means people are listening to us. Mm-hmm. It's like I love how she framed it so I I have to uh, give her credit for that. Now Kathy what do you what advice would you give for brands that's still super hesitant to enter the metaverse? I mean Brand is going to approach it differently, right? I don't think it's crawl, walk, run, right? Um, You know, for the brands, don't feel pressured, right? But don't rest on your laurels either. Like, understand that maybe you should start doing some level of experimentation. Um, Not everything that you do has to be super public. Right, so you can test and learn in private. There are ways to do that where it's not a huge marketing activation because your marketing team wants to be the first to do X in the metaverse, right? Uh, and right, granted, we're building the metaverse; it's not here yet, right? But everyone wants to put that stake down the ground, right? Uh, right? <laughs> so it seems like every brand is doing it. They're just doing it for the heck of it. Like let's put let's put the flag out there. Let's put it down. Yeah. Um, for some brands, that's not how they operate. They're not that, you know, th- there's an element of risk. Um, but there are ways to test and learn now in private in many different ways. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so my advice is, you know, learn as much as you can educate yourself. Don't get, don't get wrapped up in the hype. Right. Uh, work with people that, that truly can help guide you as Sherpas right now, what most of these brands need our Sherpas, like mm-hmm. people that are going to guide them and help them. um, and yeah, and, and you know, and if you are a brand that is in the space, I hope you have a clear strategy. I hope that you know what you're building towards, you know, with some level of flexibility built into it, just because the, the industry so so changes so much and so volatile. But um, but yeah, that's what I would say is, you know, there are ways to start preparing without having to be super public. Yeah. And, and And how do you think, how do you define success entering the metaverse? Is there any KPI that you can think of, like you look for? I mean, it's so new. It's so new. I mean, the KPIs change. And I think that that's hard for brands that are used to the web too. Like how many uh, retweets? How many, you know, how many followers that the influencer that we hired have? Like stuff like that. Like, you know, how many, you know, it's different. Like, for example, when you have, let's say, an experience in Roblox. Like your metrics are going to be different. Um, it's more like, you know, dwell time and engagement. How much time do people play, spend inside your experience? Did they come back? Like there's things that are going to be measured that are different. Right. So, so it's almost like, like marketing in itself from a marketing function needs to change a little bit. Another important thing is that you're moving away from that whip to model, which is the brand speaking to its audience to the brand being here with the audience, right? The conversation you have on Discord is very different. Um, yeah. You know, if you have an NFT community, these things are very different. You're creating and collaborating. So for some brands, that's pretty scary, right? They're used to be, they're, they're, they're very, um, you know, used to being the broadcaster, like, you know, having the, um, you know, just kind of communicating from top down. Uh, so that's one of the things, and you even see it sometimes with some brands that approach the gaming space where it'll be brand driven right Mm -hmm. and they don't even think of the player and i'm like if you're entering the space it has to be player driven it has to be fun i mean yeah observe all your brand guidelines and use all your brand colors and your brand assets and everything but if that is what what's leading that gaming experience there's no incentive there for the players right and i do see that sometimes happening Um, so yeah especially if you're doing in the gaming space player first not brand driven yeah, you know, I'm fascinated. That was like end of last year when Gucci launched their Gucci garden, and I was able to interview the designer, Brooke, and uh, so creative. Now, all of a sudden, the kids were like, Mom, I want you to buy the $750 Gucci belt. It's like, What the heck? Even my son, 16 years old, is like, <laughs> recognize it. Like, man, what a smart activation. Like, yeah. their future customers, mm-hmm. they're s- slowly, you know, having them. S- everywhere right yeah it's creating that brand awareness that brand affinity you know and if they're not able to afford it right now they will later on right so they see Gucci as this aspirational brand or they might be able to wear it on their avatar and then they're like well when I'm older I'm gonna have the Gucci whatever right um so yeah definitely definitely really interesting way I mean I love what they've done Gucci is one of those brands that has been killing it they're all in I mean they have a whole gaming department um I love that they moved from just an activation and doing these sorts of things to having more of a permanent presence in Roblox with Gucci Town, uh, and I think some brands are moving towards having those permanent experiences. Right? It's not just a one-off so. Yeah, uh, Kathy, I'm curious. What is the common misconception of the metaverse? I know you, mm-hmm. that you get asked this a lot. Yeah, I think you know. I think there's still a lot of misconception when it comes to what you know. Is it VR? Right? Is it Ready Player One, The Oasis? I'm like, think. I hope not. Um, I was actually at a conference yesterday, and one guy said, very smart person on, on stage, he was like, "Well, maybe it will it it will probably look like the Oasis in Ready Player One." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's like the most dystopic vision graphics wise." Yeah, I mean, I did want those graphics, but uh, I'm like, that's a pretty dystopic view of of what the metaverse could be. So the metaverse is not only VR; the metaverse is enabled by many different technologies that include both, you know, VR, AR, edge computing, cloud computing, like many different technologies. Um, So that's one misconception. Another misconception is that it's only virtual spaces. It will also include the physical world that just hasn't been fully enabled. And, you know, the biggest one also is, you know, there is a bit of a pollution, let's say, around the term metaverse um, after Facebook changed their name to meta. You know, that does that did introduce a term to millions of people before I ever thought it was going to happen. But it did create some pollution around. And what is this? You know, some people will be like, oh, that's Facebook. And it's like, no, the metaverse is. It's a broader vision, successor state to today's mobile internet. Will we use the term metaverse in 10 years? I don't think so. I mean, who knows, right? But it. But yeah, I mean, if, if we don't use it in 10 years, then that means we arrived, right, in some ways. So, um, but yeah, I think those would be some of the, the misconceptions I would see. Yeah, I get a chance to onboard and, and tell entrepreneurs, YPO and the way how I explain it, like a, a planet is the metaverse mm-hmm. and then blockchains, what technologies we utilize. And then there's NFT, XR, VR and uh, virtual worlds. And let's to simplify it because some people think like it's crypto and it's scammy. Like we stay away from that. Like, like it's the whole planet. Yeah, it's many enabling technologies. Like it's just so many different technologies. It's not just what I said, it's not not one company can build it. And it's not one single technology. It's many different companies building us, just like the internet. I <laughs> think there's not one single, right? There's there's tech giants, right? But um but yeah, I would say I would say it's it's a lot of enabling technologies and and sometimes we get fixated on what's sexy. Right. Um, So, for example, at the conference I was yesterday, it was interesting because I did not hear anyone on stage talk about like edge computing, cloud computing. And I know those are not sexy terms, but in order for us to truly have that metaverse that we envision, we're hyper focused on hardware, on content. I'm like, well, what about the rails and for you to have large scale gaming simulations? (laughs) <laughs> you, you're talking about billions, bil- you know, or billions of people with glasses having to consume digital content, you know, in their location, like on e- on the edge. So, um, so it, it was really interesting. And, you know, sometimes those topics can be a little boring, but I think that they're essential for us to understand, like, how do we truly enable this? Um, but yeah, you know, normally it's like, oh, Metaverse, crypto. I'm like, well, blockchain and NFTs are a component. They're not the only thing. And then that's the thing, like, is the metaverse? Do you need Web3 for the metaverse? You need Web3 for the metaverse if you're building towards an open, decentralized metaverse, which is what a lot of us want to see, right? Um, but does it have to, will it, does it have to be open? And, you know, does it have to have Web3? If it is open and decentralized, yes, right? But I have a feeling that potentially we'll have a large part that will be open and decentralized, but there will still be some walled gardens whether it's because they're company-driven or because it's something related to security or, or you know, intelligence. Or th- there will be settings where those parts of the metaverse cannot be open, right? Yeah. There are, you know, medical data. Like, there's just certain things that will remain closed because there is a need for them to remain closed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dan?
1: Yeah, so Kathy, um, something I'm really passionate is mental health. Yeah. And I was listening this morning to Deepak Chopra talk about how they created AI bots Mm -hmm. to help people, um, basically, that are on the verge of suicide, and they've helped like 1000s of people save their lives. And it was just I was really blown away by that. Mm -hmm. Um, So where do you see, you know, some of these big positive changes with the metaverse in the future?
0: Yeah, and I have a virtual Deepak on my phone <laughs> that says the AI, you know, you know, he meditates with me. Of course, it's not, you know, it's a virtual Deepak because, you know, Deepak would be really expensive to have him one on one. But I think that there are there are uses of this technology that allow us to have a more human centered experience around artificial intelligence. Right. And there are some positives, like you mentioned, specifically that finding someone that you can talk to uh, that you might feel comfortable opening up, that might help you kind of not feel as lonely um, I'll give you an example. When I was at Magic Leap, uh, we had a virtual human called Micah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that would, it's it, And the approach for Magic Leap at that time was very human-centered artificial intelligence. And, you know, people would put the the, the glasses on, which are like, you see them right here, the, the glasses that are behind me, the, that's Magic Leap, right? So you would put those on. And then in front of you, you were sitting at a table and in front of you, across from you was Micah. And she's a virtual human. You could only see her through the glasses and very, you know, very friendly, like not anything that would scare you. And it was interesting because she didn't she didn't speak at that time. But, you know, if she smiled, people would smile back at her, which is a very human reaction. You know, sometimes, you know, someone, like she yawned and someone yawned. Like there was this engagement with AI and with technology that was completely different from anything I had ever seen. And it made me think about, wow, these these virtual beings, whether it's a bot or whether it is more of that representation, could truly be positive right for us. Um, so Daniel, to that point, I think about the longer term, right? How do we start as this start to impact society? So one of the things that I've been thinking about is like, you know, if once we're going further into space, right, we're going further into exploring space, going back to the moon, we're potentially going to go to Mars. Once we start going to the moon and to Mars, especially, these are like long space travel moments. And there will be crews on these ships. But these virtual beings might ser- serve as companions, as, as helpers, as you know, companions on, on, a, on a psychological standpoint for some of these people on these, you know, like uh, on these like long-term space journeys. So I think that there is a lot of things that happen, start here on Earth, go into space on how we're gonna be able to use these technologies from a human centered way. That being said, there are negatives to the flip side, right? Which is, you know, deep fakes that you know alter someone's perception of history or that use someone's image to say something they didn't say. Um, and then if you go even further down the rabbit hole, it's the idea and the concept of unattainable beauty, right? That has an impact on our, our mental health. You know, the web two world of Instagram and all these sorts of things, it has impacted young men and women in a bigger percentage women, but girls, right? But also boys on what the standard of beauty is, right? And if we go further into virtualiz- virtualization, like that's truly unattainable. Like you can't go to a plastic surgeon and say, you know, I want to look like a Kardashian, but you, you know, I want to look like my avatar. Whoa, that's totally unattainable. So there is that balance in those conversations. And I think we need to have right now as to what is the positive side, what could go wrong, right? We need to have those very uncomfortable conversations right now. So, so I'm glad you're, you're interested in the mental health side because it's something I definitely think through.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We've been actually talking about that. The, if I have virtual friends I like better, than my actual real life friends, I might net, I might never have real life friends or spouse or relationships, right? Like you, you know, it could be in our mind. How do we separate, you know, what's mm-hmm. better and, and what's not, what's real? But back to you, Kate.
0: But, but hold on, I, I will say something really interesting. And magically, they had this um, experience also with the glasses where they would work with uh, people on this on the autism spectrum. Right. To help them prepare for interviews. So they had a virtual being that would conduct the interview and they would get cues and help on trying to like practice for interviews. So in that flip side, there is also that positive aspect of how do you help someone that is that can have some type of social inability use these technologies. Right. So, yeah, it's always like the good, like the dark, black and the, you know, the dark mirror and the white mirror. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I actually have that experience firsthand. I hosted a uh, a happy hour with the parents and the kid were so excited taking over the mom's computer because he <laughs> wants to party in the virtual world. So, and the, I mean, she was fascinated by it, but again, the, the good side of it, right? Um, Kathy, how far along are we before all these worlds can communicate it to each other because right now it's one's building the other. I mean, that's, are we 10 years out, six years? What do you think? I, I can't give you an answer to that. I think interoperability is hard to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I mean, whoever comes and says like, I, I've heard people at conferences say like we solved the interoperability problem. Like, no, you did it. If you had really solved that everything would be interoperable and talking to each other. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I don't have a time or date. I know there's brilliant people working on interoperability. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know when we get there, right. I'm not sure. I think that'll, that'll be up to some of those people that are really working on creating that. Um, you know, I do think, you know, blockchain technology is probably an important part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And with that, my other question is you know, it's fascinating. I have a teenager son who's really head on Roblox. And he said, he's has a personal brand, which is kind of fascinating. He said, Mom, I want to build my personal brand. And it's fa- fascinating. So I asked him a question like, Hey, what do you think of blockchain and NFT and all this? Like, what are your friends are saying? It's like, no, we don't want to get involved with that because that's really weird and scammy. And we just was like, no, that's not like, why can't you just be open? But it's fascinating how, the gamers they're so ahead of technology and and a lot of brands has to keep up with the technology it's so immersive and beautiful right but then they don't want to like they're not open to the other world out (laughs) well it's really interesting because i mean you have minecraft coming out talking about nfts how nfts are not part of their roadmap Uh, i thought that was a really important message and interesting from that gaming perspective, right? Because some 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 of the gaming platforms are going further, Web3, some are distance, distancing themselves. Like, which one wins? I think there's going to be room for everything. Yeah. Like, to be honest, I think there's going to be room for everything. Um, there's going to be different audiences. There's different reasons that Web3 will be used. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I will make a comment about your son talking about his personal brand, which has nothing to do with the metaverse, but I think is very relevant with Gen Z and Gen Alpha right, is they're coming into the workforce with built-in audiences, because that's how they grew up. And corporate America themselves has absolutely no idea what to do with personal brand. You know, having been, in, having been in corporate America, like, we don't know what to do with you. You're doing all these things. I'm like, well, I'm speaking for my personal brand. Um, So, you know, the more and more these, these kids come with built-in audiences, right? So, yeah, I, that's a whole other, I should write an article about that but um, Yeah it's fascinating because I coach him I said like hey mom I'm number two player in these things and have this community okay so I said you're under someone else's world you got to build your own so like oh is that how it works this is 10 year old He said like I really want to be litter because uh, he's dominating the space he said like how do you build your personal brand and he said well most of the leaders in that gaming they're kind of an asshole I said look his name is Luke don't be that because that's not sustainable if you, you, you want to be a leader but it's like their their model is something different yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and you see for example when Technoblade the, the Minecraft player died and I wrote about this on LinkedIn I had my son come in he knocked on my door he was really sad he said mommy this player that I really like called Technoblade passed away." Um, you know he went he went back to his computer created this like memorial for technoblade and, and roblox and, and I, at that moment I was like, wow, he found a way to use this technology to express his feelings in a way that were safe for him that allowed him to really be like use his his, his creativity to express something that was hard for him right and I, that was a moment where I I don't know it was just a beautiful moment for for, for me to understand that it's not technology for the sake of technology, but it's also technology that will allow these children who are born with this, right, to express their feelings. So from a mental health perspective, it helped them cope with with the death of, you know, someone who doesn't really know, but that passed away. Um, and I've shared it on LinkedIn, got tons of comments, tons of families saying I had the same experience. So I think that there is something beautiful there, right? When it comes to how they're using these technologies also to cope with, with things that are hard for them to understand. So anyway, we we're, weren't off on a tangent, but I think <laughs> it's still very valid and beautiful. So. Yeah. It's like, especially as parents, it's a struggle taking our kids off gaming and what I've noticed from my own personal experience, if I would call my son, I would get hello. And how are you? Bye. Right. <laughs> like play. Then I started asking questions like, Hey, mm-hmm. how do you do discord? And then we have this 45 minutes conversation because I'm, I'm willing to meet halfway. So I'm trying to be engaging in his world. Then we have a better relationship and more spending time. So I think a lot of us parents are like struggling with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's simple as what you're doing, Kate, like sitting down with your kid and playing Fortnite or Roblox. It sounds so silly, but as simple as that starts to create that connection, right? One of the things that I'm really big into is thinking of my kids. And, you know, I say in the metaverse, we are all world builders and now is our time to build. Is that we shouldn't only have kids focus on game time. I split game time and build time, right? So if they're going to have two hours of, of game time, then you need to give me thirty minutes here of build time. Go, go continue building your experience, right? So I think that there is something there that maybe parents can start to balance. It's not just the you know the gaming part, but also like give them the tools to build things, and it'll be a different experience, right, with the technology. So, yeah, so yeah but it's, it's an exciting time, I think, for parents. Um, I will share something funny that did happen is, so I have have Roblox on my phone and usually it's my daughter that plays there. And uh, my son grabbed the phone and started playing and changed her avatar. And when she came back, grabbed my phone, she was playing Roblox. She was so livid mad because her brother had changed her avatar. And I literally had to push back and say, an avatar is a very personal thing. You should not change her avatar. You did not have her permission to change her avatar. And I mean, they went back and, and, and made it back into what she what she looked like or just she expressed herself. But it was really interesting because it was like such a it was such a private personal thing. Yes. I remember when my son were crying because someone stole whatever he collected. It's like, <laughs> okay. You know, you gotta be tough on this. I said, "You only cry when someone died, not someone stole your things." I didn't realize it was so personal. So I'm gonna be mindful how they feel. But Kathy, I was so fascinated. This was like seven years ago, and my son was like, "Mom, do you know that I have a store in in Roblox?" I said, "Really?" And I realized because I started e-commerce, I was doing that. They said my store is beautiful. I have all this kind of merchandise and it's clean. And said, "What are you doing now?" So like, I'm cleaning. You know, <laughs> someone's spilled in the milk. It's like, why do you have to clean? So like, I'm trying to save payroll. So I oh. so, <laughs> don't go the business. It's like, oh, it's fantastic! Totally changed my mind about what he's putting his time into. And so that that totally changed. But Kathy, I'm kind of curious. You know, you're like the influencers to a lot of us, right? Getting into this sp- space. I'm curious, who's your mentor and how do you stay up to the latest technology? Who's my mentor? I think um, the CEO of the new company I'm a part of has become a bit of a mentor, Andy Simmerman. I mean, he he comes from being the CEO at Frog Design. He, you know, he set up um, Accenture Mobility. Like he's just a fantastic leader. So I'm learning a lot from him. Uh, and I would also say, you know, lots of women and allies that have, you know, come through my life I've learned from um Sandy Carter who's now at Unstoppable Domains and we work together at Amazon had a saying it was like if you can see it you can be it and that's something that I do live by if you can see it you can be it so if they can see more women like you and me and, and you know different folks like people can be like okay I can be that person I can be a leader I can be a part of this industry so so yeah I mean I think some of those things I, the biggest thing I would say that one of the biggest influences had was that my parents raised me as an equal Mm -hmm. um they have a brother they never made a big deal about us being born girl like it was we were raised as an equal like go get you know go and conquer the world um and i think that that's something that for me really helped me kind of know like just keep moving just keep moving you know so yeah then as we are heading towards this gen z and personal i mean storytelling where gen z don't want to be identified with gender, right? So that's going to blow our mind as brands, as company, how are you going to storytell that way? Um, That's 25% of them don't want to be identified as female or male. So as as we're heading into the 3d metaverse, that's going to be a lot of work. So that's going to change the model of company, how we sell logistics and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's about identity, it'd be more fluid with identity, right? We're starting to see that. So um, I'm starting to do a lot of work around Gen Alpha, right? And I hate, I hate like broad demographic categories because, like, can you really put everyone in one category? Not really. But I'm really looking at Gen Alpha because that's what I have at home mostly. Is truly trying to understand what they like, how they like to, you know, w- what drives them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm really trying to focus on on what I call Gen Alpha's reality, which is that blurry edge between physical and virtual doesn't very doesn't exist much. So yeah.
1: Well, this has been. Time. Really, am- I know we're at time now. Unfortunately, I know we could keep going. I know. <laughs> um, we're super, super busy. Um, so I want to thank you, Kathy, for being here. Also, you know, everyone, please check out oh, the book, Navigating the Metaverse. It's, it's one of the best books I've ever read, probably in all of technology. So uh, it's amazing. But, Kathy, anywhere else, I know your Forbes articles are incredible, but anywhere else you want people to check you out at?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely Forbes, LinkedIn, uh, people of the metaverse.com, which is a community that I'm launching soon. Uh, I'm working on a newsletter with analysis as well that, uh, you know, be paid paid subscription. Um, but yeah, I'm very looking forward to kind of continuing to share analysis, deep thoughts on the space. So yeah, I have one last question before yeah. you go What kind of legacy. Do you want to live behind with your work in the metaverse? I want my my girls, I've got two girls to feel empowered. And I want my son to also feel like that he can be also a good man. So, um, yeah, I think it's about creating an equal opportunity for them, you know, and just, yeah. I think the biggest thing is I want everyone to feel welcome building this future. So that truly aligns with our purpose. Well, Kathy, thank you so much. I enjoyed so much talking to you. Thank you. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe and visit metatalks.com. That's talks with a Z.